Welcome to the COVID What Comes Next podcast with Dr. Ashish Jha, Dean of the Brown University School of Public Health and a globally respected pandemic scientist and physician. Every week here, Dr. Jha will analyze events of the previous several days and offer his assessment and guidance for what lies ahead. I'm your host, G. Wayne Miller of the Providence Journal and the USA Today Network. Good morning, Ashish. How are you today? Good morning, Wayne. I'm well. Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, but I, you know, we begin the day on a rather disturbing note, and that is that uh, the federal health agencies are calling for an immediate pause in the use of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine after several people in the U.S. developed a rare disorder involving blood clots. Uh, we're one in one died, and a second is hospitalized in critical condition. And, so we, we want to know what the implications of, of this are. And I would note that we already have an audience question from a woman whose 18-year-old daughter was vaccinated on Sunday and says, what should we be watching for? And the family is plan- planning short air travel next week. Anyway, break yeah. this down for us. This is, um, this is not good news. No, it's, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Obviously, none of us wish it had happened. Um, I think that um, I think it was the right thing to do for the FDA and the CDC to, to call for this. Uh, I know that alone will be an unpopular opinion because, so let's, let's choose some data first. We are aware of six cases out of 7 million people vaccinated. So these are exceedingly rare events, right? Exceedingly rare events. Um, now that's what we're aware of. And of those six, as you mentioned, one person has died, one person's in critical condition. Um, if you compare that to what happens for those 7 million people, what would have happened if even a chunk of them had gotten COVID, uh, their complication numbers would have been dramatically higher. So um, that's one issue. Again, I, I remain very confident that the J&J vaccine is very safe. So why the pause and what is the FDA thinking? Two things. First is we want to first make sure, are there other cases out there that we're not sure of, that we haven't caught? Right. And you want to do a bit more of a a deep dive into that. Second, you want to try to understand which group is really being affected. So the six are all women between the ages of 18 and and 49. Uh, There's a plausible biological explanation for that. Uh, And so then the question is that should we make decisions like say, okay, let's unpause, but let's not give women 18 to 49 this vaccine. And let's have them get Moderna or Pfizer. That would be a reasonable thing for people to do. But now I'm just starting to speculate. And so what the FDA and CDC is going to do is they're going to pull together the top scientists. They're going to pull together all the best data and look at it and make some determinations. And they're going to do it, I think, in a very open and public way. And it's unfortunate. But this is the system working. We have a system that always errs on the side of safety. And... I don't know. Like, I like that. I think that's a good thing. And that's what's happening here. None of us wish this was happening. But thank goodness the system is working. Do you have any sense of how long this process of analyzing the data during the pause will take or as the pause continues? Any even wild guess? Yeah, it's really hard to say. There's going to be more coming out in the next uh, few hours even by the FDA, CDC on on what what they're thinking. 
Um, you know, it will, my guess, boy, I mean, it certainly would be a, probably a, a more in the way a, days, maybe a week or two, but that feels like a long time. I don't think it's going to be many weeks or months. I, I wouldn't expect that uh, just because there's an urgency to start getting people vaccinated again. Um, but I, I do think that they're going to want to come out and, and both have a plan for more data collection. Uh, they'll want to give warnings for what symptoms and signs to look for. And I can talk a little bit about that. Um, and they're going to want to uh, have thoughts about maybe certain groups uh, should not get J&J. I don't know. And again, I'm speculating. So let's let's see where this goes over the next few days. I don't expect this to set us back dramatically in terms of our ability to get the American people vaccinated. Uh, it may slow us down by a few days. And, and that's that's the reality of this stuff. But this is, again, as I said, this is the system working. So what should people be looking for getting back to uh, the mother of this 18 year old daughter who had the vaccine just on Sunday? What should people be looking for? Yeah. So, again, uh, exceedingly rare. So the 18 year old is almost surely going to be fine. But let's if you know, if I was the dad of an 18 year old, what would I be looking for if my daughter got a, a J&J vaccine? So this is a, a, the, the the condition that is popped up six times is a very rare blood clotting disorder called uh, central venous sinus thrombosis. It's basically the veins in your in your brain, in, in your uh, head um, that get clots. And so, as you might imagine, it's pretty serious and treatable if you caught, catch it early. Uh, so what are the main symptoms? Pretty severe headaches, um, double vision, other neurologic symptoms. So, and, and typically this has happened in this small number of cases, uh, sort of six to 14 days after. And so, you know, what I would say to folks is just keep an eye out for any untoward symptoms. Certainly, if you start developing severe headaches, if you start developing problems with your vision, things that would, would trigger alarm bells anyway, right? I mean, these are not subtle right. things that, oh, I woke up this morning and I feel a little bit off. Um, but if you feel any of those symptoms, take it seriously, go get it checked out, and let's figure out uh, if you're one of the very, very unlucky people who's had it. But it's a very rare thing. I mean, if the numbers end up being that it's six in, in seven million or about a one in a million overall risk, you know, that's a lower risk than like your risk of getting hit by lightning in a given year. Uh, we just have to keep things in perspective. This is a very low risk. But the FDA is right to say, let's pull together a little more data. Let's get stuff a little bit better on a better handle. And maybe I'll say one thing, just because there's a lot of pushback from people who say, why are we doing this? Imagine if we didn't do this. Imagine that we became aware of these very rare but potentially serious events and either didn't disclose it to the American people or just said, it doesn't matter, we're going to plow through. I think that'd be irresponsible. And people would wonder who's got their back. Are the federal agencies really looking out for people's safety and well-being? So, I, I, again, I don't begrudge the FDA folks this decision. It must have been a very hard decision. But my personal take is they made the right call. So looking at this in the clear light of day, because, you know, of course, we, we have some people who are still very hesitant about vaccines. This should actually be reassuring that, albeit so rare, we are doing this pause and looking at the data. Is that a correct assumption here? Absolutely. What people need to understand is that we have a long history uh, of 
having a very aggressive approach towards ensuring the safety of vaccines, drugs too, but particularly vaccines. And that's because we give vaccines to healthy people and you want to have a very, very high bar for safety. And the slightest hint of a problem gets a thorough investigation. And that's what's happening here. We have a hint of a problem. We have a hint of a rare problem. I don't even know if it's going to pan out. Uh, but but that's what people are doing. And, and if they give an all clear, it will give me a lot more confidence to continue to recommend the J&J vaccine. Okay, thank you. So I want to get into, uh, I guess, probably briefly, because we've taken a, a fair amount of time on this topic, but looking at two regions of the world uh, that are, are deeply troubled, my term, in, in terms of what's happening with COVID. And let's start with the state of Michigan where things are really bad. And the CDC director um, said on Monday, the answer is not necessarily to give vaccine. The answer is that really close things down, go back to our basics, back to where we were last spring, last summer, and shut things down, flatten the curve, decrease contact with one another to test the extent that we have available to contact trace. What do you make of what's happening in Michigan and, and that bit of advice from uh, Dr. Walensky? Dr. Walensky is not wrong. I mean, that is, that's what she's saying is there's a public health playbook and you got to play by that playbook. Um, and what I'm hearing from Governor Whitmer, and I've been speaking to her team and I've spoken to Governor Whitmer herself, is um, the reality on the ground is complicated. She has a legislature that is very opposed. Um, they've pushed back. Now, she has been very aggressive, I think, on public health measures throughout this pandemic. And she has come out and told people to voluntarily pull back. Um, and she's, you know, the reality on the ground for, for political leaders is they have to balance a series of different things. And uh, so I, I feel for her and for her team, they know what the answers are. They know what they need to do. They're also trying to figure out how do they implement it in a place uh, where, you know, if the population is not ready to do it and won't do it, it's not going to work. So, um, so she's working on that. Again, I, I think Governor Whitmer in general has done a phenomenal job in this pandemic. Uh, but, but this is a very difficult situation that she's in. Yeah, and of course, by now we've seen this conundrum time and time again in different states and different parts of the world, uh, which brings me to India. Of course, that's where you were born. Your roots are there. You still have family and relatives there. And, and yep. India is not in a good place now, too. Give us the overview of that. I know you've been advising people there with, with your expertise from, from here in America. Yep. Yeah, India is having a horrible surge right now. They are, uh, I think yesterday had about 160,000 infections. Um, they're really seeing a surge that's much worse than what they saw in their first wave back in the summer. Um, I think India has had a lot of uh, the population still at risk. Uh, there, there was a huge letting up of public health measures over the last couple of months. There was all this talk in India of, oh, we're past the pandemic. The pandemic is over, obviously not even close. And so a lot of this is behavioral. And then um, they have a pretty good vaccine program, but it's small so far in terms of population. Again, they're vaccinating a good number of people, but given the size of their population, they have a long way to go. So vaccines are not helping them out in the way that it is in the United States. And that combination uh, is, really, uh, is really the challenge. So we had an unusually high number of questions from our audience this week. Uh, we've already hit on one. I'm going to get into two more. Uh, and, and a third one, I think we can hold to next week. It doesn't seem to be 
urgent. So the first one uh, in this new batch, a man from Southern New England writes, now that vaccines are in full swing, many of my family and friends are getting their second, <laughs> excuse me, their second doses. Some get mild symptoms like chills and a low-grade fever, while others see no symptoms at all, even after getting the same type of two-dose vaccine. Is there any correlation between your immune system reacting and the expected effectiveness of the vaccine? And we've hit on this a little bit before, but maybe you can go into a little more depth. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So this is, comes up a lot, where people will email me, call me, uh, friends, et cetera, and says... Um, hey, I got my second shot. I felt totally fine. Did it not work? And the answer is no. It's not how, how this is not how any of this stuff works. It, um, so let's be very clear. The level of immune reaction you have to that second shot is not at all correlated, as far as we know, with how well protected you are. Um, immunologic protection from vaccines is complicated stuff. There are some people who have uh, very, very mild or no reactions at all. And then you look at them and they look every bit as well protected as people who had a pretty significant reaction. So uh, the clinical trials really don't bear out any correlation and I wouldn't worry about it. And what I say to people who don't have a, sec a, a tough reaction is mazel tov, you got lucky. Like, you know, uh, good for you. I personally, when I got my second shot of Moderna, I was wiped out for 24 hours. I felt exhausted. I wish I had been one of the people who didn't have a reaction, but it doesn't make me feel better than I had a reaction. Well, thanks. And, you know, my, my own circle of family and colleagues and friends, it, it's been that whole range, too. Um, so the last question, someone who wishes to thank us for, quote, our informative and most helpful weekly COVID podcast. We are regular listeners. And thank you to this person writes, quote, I sing in a community chorus and we have not rehearsed or performed in person for a year. How can we decide it is safe to resume singing together again? And I think that's a really great question. And it kind of overlaps into going to the theater and, and so forth. But anyway, what do, you, what do you say to that? Yeah, um, boy, uh, singing inside a church or in a theater is among the highest risk things you can do. We've seen uh, large outbreaks come out of that. Um, and that's obviously among unvaccinated people. So if someone said to me, I want to make that safe, what can we do? Um, I would say number one is everybody's got to be vaccinated. If, I would not feel comfortable being in a theater with unvaccinated singers. I just think, uh, especially if there's any unvaccinated people in the audience. So um, number one is everybody's got to be vaccinated. Um, you know, obviously masks can reduce the amount of um, virus that someone spreads Singing with masks, I can't imagine that's like a long-term sustainable thing. So probably, you know, the two things would be make sure there's um, everybody's vaccinated and then make sure there's good ventilation if you're doing it indoors. And that combination will really potentially make a big difference. Let me get one. Sorry. Thank yeah. you. Let me get one more in because yeah. uh, I promised this uh, listener in New York City uh, that would get an answer today. It's going to be brief. My kids will be vaccinated by fall, so I'm not worried so much about COVID, but rather the variants in Europe opening this summer and the disease lingering into later August and onward. Um, Spain is saying they will have 70% vaccinated by midsummer. Is their rollout better than the rest of Europe? I think this person is concerned with her kids possibly going to Europe later in the summer or into the fall. Yeah, it's tricky. You know, we've 
talked about whether we as a family wanted to travel outside of the United States and ultimately decided not to because uh, most of our kids, I mean, with three kids, two of them may get vaccinated if the uh, Pfizer vaccine gets a broader authorization, but our youngest kid won't. And we just don't know how much, what the vaccine status will be across Europe. I don't know that I've seen data that Spain is necessarily doing much better than other European countries. Um, and it's possible, even likely, that most European countries, most Western European countries will have a good chunk of people vaccinated and case numbers very low by late summer, but probably not early summer. Uh, so I, I, would be, I, I would be hesitant about making plans um, right now because there's so much uncertainty across all these countries. But obviously, if somebody really, really wants to go and they have family and they want to go visit, uh, there are ways of doing it safely. Um, but, but it's tricky this summer. This is probably the last summer where gonna, this stuff is going to be hard. Thank you, Ashish. Uh, I would remind our audience or new members of the audience, if you have a question for Dr. Ja, write to gwmiller at providencejournal.com and write question for Dr. Ja in the subject field. Ashish, have a good day. I know it's going to be unusually busy for you. Not that you don't have unusually busy days anyway, but this is going to be even more so. Thanks again, as always. Thanks for uh, having me on, and I look forward to connecting back up next week. Be well and stay safe. You too. Bye-bye. 